This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Alan, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Hello, and welcome to another Sea to Sky podcast. We're sitting here with John Grills, who is not only a candidate for council, you are one of the few incumbents yes. that is actually running for another term. Yes. So welcome to Sea to Sky podcast, John. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. And I'd say, I guess, uh, you know, most people, most of the candidates I've had on here and I've talked to, I say, you know, why are you, why are you running? Because uh, it's a tough job and you don't get much thanks for it in the end. Um, you're actually running for another term. So mm-hmm. are, you, are you just a glutton for punishment? <laughs> well, you might think that. Uh, this is my second term. The first one, a three-year term. And now we've just done a, completed a four-year term, which is new to the province. And um, I think we have a lot of things on the go that I would like to see um, completed. And uh, that's, the, of course, the, the big one, the housing um, project that I sat on the task force. And we've laid out a, a plan, seven, seven, seven objectives. And I'd like to see uh, some, uh, some projects uh, in the ground and built and occupied within the next couple of years. So, um, um, so just for our listeners, what, what would be those seven objectives? Um, the, the main one is is, is increase the uh, availability of WHA rental units. Um, then also look to the private sector for a number of uh, you know, some the, if landowners can bring forward projects to the municipality, which they've done. It's now there's now five currently being worked on with staff, um, and they'll come to uh, council for uh, for rezoning potentially, and then go out to the public for review. In uh, in public hearing, so that's that's the two big ones. Is also infill housing, and there's um, some other projects uh, there as well. Uh, a nightly a crackdown on nightly illegal nightly rentals is another area that we think could free up some additional housing. So that's, yeah, you're talking specifically Airbnb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those the online platforms. I mean, we have uh, a, a huge inventory of uh, tourist accommodation beds in the community. Uh, so we'd like to. That's where we'd like the guests to be staying, and everything that's zoned residential should be remain residential and and protect the uh, our, our neighborhoods and make sure that uh, if there's additional rental going on, it's available for employees. Right, right. And I, I mean, I know that. Um, I mean, it's no secret how hard it is out there. But I know that probably a lot of people they uh, they get into. Uh, a, a townhouse, maybe a single-family re- residence, and they see how much more money they can make on Airbnb. So that uh, that's that's hard to turn down. True. Um, and if you invested in a in a home that uh, in the community that is uh, zoned for tourist accommodation, then by all means. Uh, if it's not, you bought a, invested in a home that's uh, zoned residential, then it's meant to be residential and, and nothing under 30 days. Um, uh, rental terms. So. You know, another problem that we've run into, and this this is nothing new, but with the WHA, um, there's always the problem that people they they get in, they buy a house below market value, mm-hmm. and then they see, of course, housing values skyrocketing all around them, mm-hmm. and they can't participate in that. You know, it's the old, it's a nest, not a nest egg. Um, but there's been various formulas how we've indexed the price value yeah. of yeah. W. Now, is there one, and th- that's always been, of course, as you well know, a, a subject of controversy. Is, is there a formula that you prefer in terms of indexing WH homes too? Well, the the key is that 
if it's 10 years or 15 years or 30 years, when that home turns, becomes available again for someone waiting on the wait list, that is still affordable. Like, it's, it's meant to provide um, a home, a pur- someone to be able to purchase a home uh, at this time and also somebody to be able to purchase in the future. We, c- we couldn't have it that it would increase at the rate that a normal house, a market house is increasing in this community. It's, it's virtually tripled in three years. So all of, all of that WHA ownership uh, inventory would be out of out of uh, out, out of, of play. Yeah. Um, it's meant to. Um, you're still building equity, not to the same degree that you would in a market house. But then you're not getting into. You're getting into a. a you WHA pay market product. prices for yeah, it. Exactly. So I think it's really meant to be. Um, uh, you know, there for a long time. And I think what we'll look at in the next term as well is how do we how do we get a, more movement in the ownership. I've talked to some couples that have been here for. Um, uh, a number of years, a number of decades, they're in a, a WHA-owned uh, uh, ownership product, and they don't need three bedrooms anymore. But they can't afford to leave and go into the market. So, is there is there a way of moving them from a three-bedroom townhome into a one or two-bedroom apartment right. WHA? And so that's you know complicated. But I think if it, it a opens up a three-bedroom unit for someone who has a growing family and. You know, and, and somebody who no longer needs that can still stay in a WHA uh, product, but into a smaller. So yeah, there's also been the problem of slippage. There are s- still people that bought WHA product, and they no longer they're no longer employees here. They're using it as a weekend uh, recreational property. Yeah, and when I was on the WHA board, that that came up on occasion, and the the um, WHA. Uh, uh, team will contact that owner and them and tell them to come into compliance. They have they're not coming back to the community to work. Then they did sell the unit, and uh, and that, and when I was there, that's that's exactly what happened. If if we find out that someone has moved out of the community and is not uh, is able to rent it, but as long as they're renting it to employees, then that that might that might fill the covenant uh, requirements. So I think there's there's different. Um, uh, covenants on different um, products out there, so I think it's um, it, we have to know exactly what's going on with that particular house. But if whenever the WHA comes, it's made aware of somebody who's not living up to the to their um, agreement, then they they act. And most of the times, you will get a compliance easily without having to go to you know the courts or something more uh, more aggressive. How do you feel about more development outside of the municipality's boundaries, but close to it? Like, for instance, the Callahan or north of Emerald. Uh, we just finished updating the regional growth strategy, working with the SLRD and our, our neighbors to the to the north and south, and and we've you know come out to say that we really want to see that all future development is done within current municipal boundaries, um, and that's to stave off some large. Uh, proposals like like at uh, Garibaldi at Squamish, you know, we figure there's a, a capacity that that this corridor, um, we all the partners believe we have to we have to monitor, we have to watch for, and uh, the highway is a, is a prime example. You cannot just continue to build uh, with no controls whatsoever, um, and not expect at some point you're going to have to make a, a, a very expensive improvement or expansion of the highway. So that's one of the the, the pieces. I'm just and just the sheer ability of the corridor, Sea to Sky corridor, to handle um, a massive increase in, in population. Whistler has the, the bed capacity, um, uh, bed unit capacity. We work within that. Um, 
that's not necessarily the same in some of the other communities in the corridor. So we just we have to work together to, to, to make sure this remains the, 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 the special place it is now. Would, would you be in favor of increasing the bed, the bed cap? This, um, this comes up, uh, this question comes up all the time. And in seven years on council, we've, um, to my knowledge, we've uh, allocated 24 new bed units. And that was, uh, that's in, for the recent um, uh, Prism Lands deal. And so when an extraordinary benefit is prevent, presented to the community along with an ask for some beds, um, we'll take that to the community. If they think that that's a worthwhile expansion of the bed cap, then we'll look, we'll look at it at a time. There's not going to be a lot of that. For, you know, there's not going forward. to be another four seasons. No. Yeah. No, there's just, we are, you know, we're nearing our capacity and, um, and we're, in, we're in the driver's seat. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's not something that the senior levels of government understand well when we say we deal with, we have a bed cap, we deal in bed units, um, but it's a great tool for the community to be able to control the future growth and, and the, given the value of beds in this community right now, um, you know, we're, we're in the driver's seat. Now, what about a hotel tax? Some of the other candidates have brought up a hotel tax, and I suppose... You know, one one of the yes, yes, that would be a way to get more capital to build some of the amenities that we need here in Worcester. However, there's always the fear that well, if you make the the resort too expensive, you know, people will go other places. Yeah, no. So we have currently have a two percent hotel tax that uh, we're days away from having that go to three percent. Um, there's an agreement already in place. It's been there for a number of years that the that will be shared. Um, with Tourism Worcester and the municipality will share that revenue. And also under the new agreement, on a part of the 1% will uh, be going to uh, Destination BC. Given how busy we are, marketing this community in the future, we're going to have to look at very carefully because A, the world of marketing has changed dramatically. It's so much more word of mouth and, and social media. So, you know... And podcasts. And, and podcasts. <laughs> very good. And, pod, and very much. And so, um, so I think that's, looking at that, the, we are, uh, as of October 1st, they are also now collecting um, hotel tax and sales tax on um, nightly rentals through the platforms, Airbnb, VRBO. A portion of that, now we've not seen the agreement or the, the details yet, but a portion of that uh, additional revenue could go towards housing. And that's kind of that's quite a um, uh, aggressive uh, step for the province to do that. So we've yet to see the details, but that you know some of that revenue could go towards housing. You know, we have to, yeah, we have to be very cautious of 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 you know our guests. That, you know, it's it's expensive to get here. It's expensive to stay here. You know, you got to keep your taxes within. There's only so much money people are willing to shell out. Uh, and and right now, the senior levels of government are very. The WHA is a great track record. Um, and so they're they're happy. I'd say happy. They they feel safe in in lending money to uh, the organization like WHA because they've got the proven track record over 20 years of building uh, homes for uh, employees in this community. So um, I it, the timing's very good for us to bring home bring uh, Chequemus Crossing Phase Two. Uh, bring it forward and, and see what level of participation the province will do as far as funding. Now, you touched on marketing the resort, and one of the things that's been brought up for years now is 
all, you know, expanding the the uh, market base. And the main thing that's been looked at is education. Of course, as you know, Quest University originally looked at Whistler before they looked at Squamish. A lot of the potential for an, uh, another education center was was originally considered the Prism Lands. That that mm-hmm. that's gone. But is that concept still a possibility here in Squamish? Do you think? Um, yeah, and it would, would have been the, the Zen Lands, um, and they actually the, the owners of the Zen Lands came forward uh, to do another uh, to do a uh, employee housing project, um, but if, but pulled their their uh, application um, before it went too far down, uh, in, too far into the process. Um, there's. There is. It's happening in a smaller way, using the current facilities, using current boardrooms, and and so forth. So, I don't see anything large happening, but there's definitely a movement with with uh, smaller education opportunities. And I think it's something that our um, we have a lot of the young employee comes here and he's either in, like, taking a gap year or he's just finished university and it really it stops. The education stops here. And so I think that's where the chamber and uh, a number of other groups in the community are looking to see how they can add the ability to, to pick up additional skills, uh, certification, red seals, things like that, and or just what's referred to as brain food. How can I, I just... Because one of the dangers is that, well... Because the next generation, like the current generation that are sort of middle management, small business owners, they mostly, for the most part, they got here before the housing prices became so extreme. Yeah, yeah. How do we retain that next generation? They might not see any future here for here for them. No, it's a real it's a real risk, and that's why I mean, housing is the number one issue going right now. Is to sort of give give them hope. I mean, that's one of the people that there's no hope, and and I think that would be similar to be Vancouver. My my daughter was. Uh, uh, working in Vancouver, and she, you know, says, how, "How do I ever own a home? Or how? Will, it's not even own a home anymore. How will I know that a year from now I will have a place to live that's reasonably affordable um, and continue on in my career?" So I think that's a, uh, and we've had conversations where we may, let's say, we build 1,500 beds over the next three years, and have, and so we've got now the beds. So that's no, it's not as big an issue as it is today. But we still don't have um, a pipeline of skilled workers. I mean, the, the entire country is looking at, have, is a is a skilled worker shortage. So, I asked um, our um, MP Pamela Goldsmith Jones, "Is this is there's infrastructure money to build the housing? There's there's money from the province to uh, build the housing." Where's the money also for, for trade skills? Um, well, but does Whistler have the same demand as the rest of the country for trade skills? I mean, it seems mostly here we're looking, I mean, it's obviously the hospitality industry. I mean, certainly when projects need to get built, we need to bring in uh, bring in those people. But that's not uh, a full time. There's not a lot of tradespeople living in Whistler. Well, I th- um, and this is where if we're depending on our trades coming from, say, Squamish, where they're having a huge building boom, they're not. Why would they drive the extra time here to, to when they can get a job down the street at home? So, it, uh, it, we had an open house with uh, the local uh, contractors. A number of them showed up, and we talked. It, labor was the key item. They have lots of work, and they have a number people from around the world investing in our community that have. Um, so pretty deep pockets. They want to do some substantial um, investment and renovations to the properties they're buying. 
it's it's great for the for the our local construction industry, but they they need they like anyone else they need skilled labor. You know, just just to go back a bit um, to talk about you know you're talking about your daughter in Vancouver. I mean, this is obviously common. it's not it's not. You know, it's not just Whistler. We all we know yeah, yeah, that the yeah. entire West Coast is just rapidly coming out of reach for so many people. And so that's the thing. When we're talking about building employee housing for rent, rental units, yes. where do we put affordability? In Vancouver, they're talking about, you know, $2,500 being uh, affordable for uh, a one-bedroom apartment. Now, if you're up here in Whistler and you're working as a bartender, $2,500 is, is out of reach. Yeah. Yeah, and I... The one key part, and this doesn't completely answer your question, I'll try and get back to it, but one of the most important pieces of, of the new product we're going to build, and, and to some degree that what's in the path, is that we're putting employees in there that are working in this community on a full-time basis because we can never build enough housing for the people that want to live here. It's, it, we're, the WHA is to provide housing for the people that are working here and, and helping this resort operate. And it's going to be from the dorm units that the mountain uh, just announced to three-bedroom uh, family homes. So it's got to be it's got to be something you can move through over the years. There's been a lot of questions about when do you when will we build some more ownership product? It's it's lower on the list right now because the priority is the rental. Um, it will be it will be discussed and we'll, we'll look at that. Um, you know, as far as when we get back into the, the ownership game. The challenge with that is once you build and it's occupied, it could be out of the, the flow or the yeah. inventory for yeah. 30 years. Right. So that's, that's, that we've got to figure out how we can build something but still create uh, uh, some movement. Could a commuter bus play a part in alleviating yeah. the labor crunch? I mean, yeah. there's been talk about, you know, we've got a, perhaps a uh, pool of potential labor in Mount Curry that we're not even tapping, and all yeah. it needs is some sort of transit to get them here. Yeah, and, that, and this is this has come up in conversation for years. In fact, in, in 87, I was working for the mountain, and I went up and did a food safe course in Mount Curry so the mountain could bring employees down to help work uh, at Worcester Blackcomb. So it's always been... You know, there's labor in the corridor. How do we get it here efficiently and and and, and to a certain level of convenience to it? So that's where we've been um, we've been working in the corridor um, to um, to get the uh, regional transit going. It's um, I think it's just about ready, if not on its way to Victoria, uh, for approval. And um, boy, it'd be nice to see some buses rolling in 2019. And the the goal would be Mount Curry to Whistler and and. Uh, potentially uh, Vancouver, Squam, and Whistler. So it, it, the whole, it's a whole corridor, not oh, okay. just. But, I mean, for us, uh, one of the key areas, of course, would be Mount Curry to here because there, there is a workforce there. Right. Um, and, and right now it's not a convenient. It's not convenient enough to make it. And, and, and regular schedule so you can count on it for work. Right. And I guess, of course, the, the big impediment is always cost. And when you're talking about the province, how much of the cost is, I mean, you may not have... Uh, the specific number, but ballpark, how much is the province looking at contributing to this? You know, dollar-wise, I don't have right in front of me, but currently we're in a you know, kind of a, a roughly a 50-50 split you know, between the province and, and and the municipality. Where we're looking at the revenue um, for the for getting revenue to, to make this work, because, you know, not, you know, different communities, different sizes, different tax bases. We, you know, how do you build a formula so we're all sharing equally? It, it, it's a bit of a challenge for some of the other communities. So, 
we're going at it with uh, fuel tax as the application. Um, and, you know, so we talked earlier about taxes, you know, how many taxes can you introduce? This one's interesting because currently we pay virtually city prices for gasoline. The city has up to 17 cents a litre going to TransLink. We ha- we're paying that price, yeah. so where's that additional money going? So yeah. there might be an initial uh, increase to our gas tax, the gas prices in the corridor as, as this gets rolled into, but eventually it should level out, you know, because the, the market will, you know, the pressures on the market Again, will adjust. Again, people are going to pay so much, but you bring up a good point. It's It's... Why is our price the, for gas the same when we're not paying? You know, we're not getting the gas exactly. tax. So yeah. What are we getting for that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is this is um, this is how we're, we're approaching it. Um, my understanding, this is an old number. There was some 60 million liters of fuel uh, purchased in the corridor. So there's 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 some revenue there, and that that could make this work. Um, and so that. Um, that will go before Victoria to to to, to uh, see if um, they're in agreement and, and look at where can we get how soon could equipment arrive here uh, where will the base be will it be hot, will it be uh, natural gas buses all those things can be answered but but there's certainly a desire for all members of the Sea to Sky corridor um, to get this going as soon as possible. And now, since you're uh, an old timer here in Whistler, I'll ask you this because you're one of the few people that can still still remember that <laughs> we used to be able to ride BC Rail from Whistler to oh, North yeah, Vancouver. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've ridden it myself. It was a it was a great. They said it was slow, but I tell you what, you sit in that train, beautiful yeah, views. You yeah, have your coffee. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was okay, uh, and it's been proven study after study that people prefer to ride trains over buses. But you know, and I've asked many people this, uh, you know, not just here on the podcast, but in, in in other platforms, why we can't have the train? Why can't we bring the train back? Yeah, and and um, Marga Marion in Lillooet has been pushing this hard, and she's getting getting support from the two senior levels. Uh, of, gov- of government, um, apparently Via has the um, the inventory. Via Rail has the inventory, um, so it's it's a more of a possibility now than it has been in a long time. Um, it's an alternative for guests and and residents to to get from here to the city. I mean, they, I'm not sure how it'll work in in Pemberton as because the old train station's gone. But yeah. you know, they can they can look at those types of things. And also, the the goal is not just from you know, it's not just Whistler, Vancouver. It's Vancouver to Prince George, and um, and you know what a. What a you know, what an ama- amazing chunk of the country to, to be able to see, to see, and so uh, it, we may, you know, it's a possibility. Well, it's I, it, yes, provincially they want they want Vancouver to Prince George. However, practically for the corridor, I think there's much more demand of people wanting to go up to say Squamish for the day, or go up to Whistler for the day, yeah, and yeah. they might be willing to ride a train up yeah, there. Yeah. And also, even for, even for commuters, I mean, people always say, well. You know, you're talking a tourist train or a commuter train, and I think if we're just talking about the quarter, it could really be both because yeah, there's sort yeah. of weekenders that might be willing to take the train, and then of course commuters that would also take. The train. And it has to be a product that allows you, like in Europe, you can you can throw your bike on you know one right. of the cars, and you could you know you can go up to the car. You know, it's got it's got to be priced that it makes sense to go and do this for a weekend or a day, or and it's, it makes sense for us as well as for guests, and that's kind of. Part of the other goal as far as you know, highway capacity is, in, is increasing the convenience uh, of people getting off a plane at YVR and getting on a shuttle and coming up here and not having to rent a car that may or may not have proper tires on it. 
Um, they don't need it when they get here. Yeah. Um, so that those numbers are increasing um, dramatically. So again, the more that product, uh, the convenience, the timing. Uh, uh, it improves and more people will be using it. And that will also help with uh, volume on the highway. Because as you say, I mean, if, if congestion grows, which, I mean, I mean, look at this past summer. Did you ever think you would see so much traffic jams almost every weekend coming into Whistler? Yeah, it's, and just, you know, I, I've now stood on the highway and waved with my, um, my reuse it center election sign. And, and I was... Uh, 10, 10 o'clock this morning, the volume of traffic still was... was in October, yeah, in the middle yeah, of October. Yeah, no, it, it's a noticeable increase, and that was a four-year span. Um, I think also, too, that we have to have a better understanding of what volume of traffic is also just using this corridor to go north, to go to the Hurley, or more so to go over the Duffy to get it. It's a nicer, easier way to get into the interior than doing through... through Canada the number one, one, through the yeah, valley, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm on that highway a lot. And it's, yeah, dramatic increase in, in RV traffic and just people going, hey, this is a much better way to, to get into the interior. So there's, you know, and that's that's a, a provincial highway. So people say, you've got to control the number of people coming here. Well, you you, you can't put a gate yeah. on a provincial highway. So day traffic will continue to be, um, be a, a major issue. I think we made some headways with um, our new parking policy so that, People are not driving around looking for parking. There is there is parking available. That's the studies are proving that out. How do you feel about a a, a residence parking pass? I, you know, I, I think that thirty dollars a month is a dollar a day is pretty reasonable. I, I don't. You know, we, we've talked also a lot about free transit. We see that in in, in Colorado resorts, and and that's funded by a, a, a ski lift tax. And you know, f free. Somehow the value disappears and whatever else. So I, I'm, I like a f affordable. I think a, a Spirit bus pass for employees. It's greatly reduced, but there's still some value component. To right. It. If it's free, people don't they don't value it as much as yeah. when you give them a di steep discount. They go, oh, I get this discount because yeah. I'm a resident yeah. and I I don't want to abuse it or. Well, and I think one thing too is it just so that like the parking revenue that that has grown over the years that has put additional buses on the road to increase the the, the frequency of, of, of transit and also the, the well just yeah increase the frequency and that's so that's where the more it's not so much as price it's also convenience well is there a bus every 20 minutes in the morning or every 15 minutes or every 30 and that does that make a difference to somebody using it to come to work now I have to ask uh, and I asked Wayne Jackson the same question because you were also included in this, uh, I don't want to say accusation, is probably too strong a word, but at one of the All Candidates meetings, someone did say that there's a slate running and you're part of it. Um, I mean, what's your, first of all, what's your response to that? You know, I, 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 the, I, if you were there and whoever, the listeners here were there, there was some, there was some funny response, immediate response yeah, there was. was quite funny. <laughs> some um, of it we can't repeat. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But I think... It, you get asked the question all the time, who do you want to be sitting there with? And and it's, I was lucky enough to be part of the 2011-2014 council, um, six brand new councillors, um, an experienced uh, mayor, but first, first time as the mayor, um, experienced in, in local politics, but first time sitting as a mayor. And that group that came together you know, just gelled and, and put her heads down and got to work. And it really, there was 
very little time, if all, wasted on on friction or, or you know infighting. It was just about getting you know coming to agreement, getting the work done, and, and moving on to the next project. So I think it's really important who you're sitting there with. I mean, that was one of the key. Looking at doing a third term, I, I waited uh, for a bit to see. Okay, who else is coming forward? Is Dwayne Jackson coming forward? Is Arthur DeJong coming forward? Because that's the, the kind of people that I feel sitting at the table um, uh, with the other two incumbents, with Kathy and Jen, that I think we can get some, some work done and, and we can work together. I think that they're used to sitting at the board level. They're used to, uh, they've got a lot of experience um, in in a multiple a multitude of areas in the community that will help, you know, help uh, provide um, good input. Because after all, none of these projects move forward if, if uh, you're just one voice. If there isn't a consensus, yeah. none of these projects yeah. move forward. Yeah, so it really is all about, and I think that's what the theme in the 2011 election was. They really wanted to say, can you guys work together? We just want professionalism, we want respect, and we want you to be able to work together. And if the community's quiet, if you're doing a good job, it's quiet and you get the work done. Uh, it's I'm not there to make headlines. I'm there to get the work done. Now, looking back at where Whistler is coming, because you've been here since 1975, so you really have perspective. Um, what have you, Are you surprised at where we are as a community? Are you surprised at the changes? I mean, um, it, we sh- I mean, we shouldn't, I shouldn't be surprised at how, um, how many people want to be here and come here, the three million visitors. I, I shouldn't be surprised because, you know, I got off the bus in 1975, well, this is great. Um, before all of this was built, but just the the, the, the two mountains and the, the valley and, and what all, all that we have here. So shouldn't necessarily be surprised. I think that was what I really liked about tonight, what I liked about this place. And I did, just to, for, to be correct, I did have to leave a number of times in the 70s and go find work elsewhere and then try and find my way back and all the way into the early, mid-80s. Uh, you know, I'd come and open a restaurant or do what I could and then and then come back as soon as I could if I... If, continuous work wasn't here but I think what I to have the opportunity to build a community from virtually the ground up be part of that that's that's really unique Um, and I think and and I felt that if you did volunteer your time and put your voice out there and um, uh, be part of that process there was an impact I mean I can see now just when I sit on design panel and you and you listen to the opinions around the table and there's feedback given to staff and they, you, you you look at the building three completed three years later and you go oh yeah that was where we adjusted the landscape and we adjusted the the layout or whatever and you can sort of you can tangible um, uh, changes to the community in small and sometimes big ways yeah so I think that just being part of uh, of, of building this something like this. Uh, it's it's really special. Is there anything you would have liked to have done different if you if you could have had a, a say in it? Yeah, no. It's I think looking back um, recently, as we built um, in the '90s when we really expanded into Village built North new, and yeah, so, yeah, village, yeah, yeah, over the, came in like we're where we're sitting right now. Yes, yeah. um, I would have put more controls on the size of some of the retail units, uh, or even, you know, commercial units, because they can be restaurant or retail. And what, why um, why that would have had an impact now is, um, I, I th- is local businesses, locally based businesses, tend to work with spaces that are 600 to 1,500 square feet. 
the chains, larger companies, like 3,000 to 5,000 yeah. in, in that range. So it's not that we certainly can't use some of that, but maybe put a little more focus on... There would have been more available for local businesses. I think yeah. so. I, you know, just it gives them a chance. Which and the original village was more geared towards, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. So if, if, if I went back in time and went back to 1990 and... and, and looked at Village North, more opportunity um, with smaller retail units that um, that would, would give a local business a chance. Okay. All right. Well, John, thanks for sitting down with us. And, uh, <laughs> that was good. And, well, you know what? Good luck. I say this to everyone. Good luck October 20th. And uh, once more, I feel like I need to remind people, if you don't get out and vote October yeah, 20th, you absolutely. have nothing to complain about. That's right. That's and, and thank you for doing this. And this is now, uh, I've now completed my first ever podcast. <laughs> well, I'm glad we could be the first. All right. And this is it. See the Sky Podcast. Thanks. This is the Sea to Sky Podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky Podcast. Thank you for clicking us on. 